So, we're looking at 1 John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, look there. 1 John chapter 4. If you have your other devices, that's fine as well. Uh, it's been fun the last few weeks just uh, kind of looking at different aspects of 1 John. I know you guys had Matt Smith here last week, uh, last Sunday while we were going to Pine Cove and heard he did an awesome job. Um, <clears throat> you know, in 1 John we, we have some passages that talk about the Holy Spirit. And they've come up already in the book and as we've been looking at them, uh, as I was studying for this particular lesson, I thought, you know what? We need to really kind of think about and, and consider what the Holy Spirit is and who He is. Because some of you might have an idea, some of you may not have any clue. Uh, and so we're going to get into that a little bit here in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-6, through 6, which he talks about different spirits, and one of them is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, one of them is the Spirit of the world. So what I want you to do first of all, though, is I want you to close your eyes for a second. We're going to do some imagination. I know none of you like that. Anybody watch Imagination Movers? I know you guys love that show. Uh, imagination is a powerful thing. And so I want you guys to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. It's okay. I'm watching you. I can see if your eyes are closed or not. Close your eyes. It won't work unless you do. Okay. All right. Now, you're going to imagine with me. I want you to imagine yourself as a soldier, okay? You're a soldier. So let's imagine yourself as a soldier back in the old days. Not Civil War, like pre-Civil War, like way back. Like uh, back when they used like catapults and spears and things like that. So you're a soldier way back in the day. And you have the greatest weapons available to you. And you are all in one army. So you imagine your friends are warriors sitting next to you. And you're sitting there in battle, and you have the greatest weapons in your hands that are ever made. And you're sitting there, and you can see all around you white tents just set up for camp. You can see smoke coming out of the campfires from the night before. And you're sitting there and, and kind of lounging. And... The enemy is not far away. The enemy is actually inside, and you can imagine that enemy. Whatever enemy you want to picture in your mind, you imagine that enemy in your sights. Within your sights, you see this imposing force wanting to destroy you. But you lounge, and you lounge, and you sit around, and you fall asleep. Boys in the back, listen up. You fall asleep. You have the weapons. You have everything at your disposal to conquer this enemy. Yet you're sleeping. And you continue to sleep. And you're waiting to have this battle, but everyone is asleep. Even your leaders are asleep. The generals of your army are asleep. And you just lay there. And then all of a sudden, this commander, the commander of the army, lights a candle in his tent. And he arouses everybody, wakes them up. Eyes blink, heads lift up. You guys look around. It's a strange awakening spreads throughout the field. 
you stretch, your muscles are flexed, maybe you flex for the enemy, you put your armor on, you grab your sword, and whatever weapon you choose, you look at each other in excitement knowing the battle is about to take place. Everything comes together. The commander comes out and gathers his army for battle. Now in that picture, you can open your eyes, and in that scene, I want you to imagine the commander is the Holy Spirit. Yet we, his people, his soldiers, often we sleep and don't even recognize the commander as the one in charge of our army. And John Piper puts it really well here. He says, what has happened in this scene? The Holy Spirit has begun to move upon the armies of the Lord. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Put on the whole armor of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Keep alert and help each other be bold. There's only one power that can break the spell of Satan. Waken the armies of the Lord and rout the God of this age. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, both your parents, myself, and you included, we don't really understand what the Holy Spirit is and who He is. And so for us to trust this Spirit that we hear about and this thing that we think is some mystical creature and uh, is described in a lot of weird ways, like some of you might even imagine him as just a ghost, this friendly ghost, like old school. Some of you adults can picture Casper, the friendly ghost. Like that's what you picture the Holy Spirit as. And all of a sudden this this little thing comes along and kind of talks to you as your imaginary friend and you can put the Holy Spirit you know, in your little your little area, that's your Holy Spirit area, and that's just kind of, the Spirit comes and goes. We don't really know what He looks like and if He's even a creature or not. It's just a mystical thing talked about in the Bible. But what we're going to look at today is actually that the Holy Spirit has specific traits, and we're not going to get into all of them. We could spend the rest of the school year, the rest of the summer talking about the Holy Spirit, but today I'm just going to give you an overview so the Holy Spirit's often mentioned in the Bible, but seldom talked about in church and among us even as youth. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at what John has to say. Remember, John didn't just write 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He also wrote a gospel, the Gospel of John. And so in that book of John, he talks about the Spirit a lot, and Jesus talks about the Spirit a lot. The first thing we need to understand about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay? The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not just some mystical being. It's not just some uh, thing floating around and, you know, as described as some people, you know, just some vision that we have or a dream that we had. But the Holy Spirit is actual, actually a person. You know, Jesus calls him another counselor in John 14:16. He says, I will pray the Father. He will give you another counselor to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. When Jesus calls him a counselor or a comforter, he treats him as a person, not a force. He didn't say, I'm going to send you some mystical being. I'm not sending you some impersonal thing that's going to kind of come and go and, and kind of appear to ghost or, or appear, appear in your dreams sometimes. 
No, he says, I'm giving you a counselor. John 14, 17, Jesus says, you know him for he dwells with you and will, will be in you. Then in verse 25, he says, I have spoken to you while I am with you. Jesus virtually identifies the spirit with himself. So Jesus is identifying the spirit as being part of him, part of himself. He says, I am with you and will be in you. Is the same way as saying, I am with you and in the spirit will be with you. You know me as uh, you you know me now as flesh and blood, son of God. You will know me soon through the Spirit who will be given to you. Therefore, the Spirit is no less a person than Jesus is. You know the Spirit is described not only as a counselor, but the Spirit is also described in the Bible as a teacher. Anybody ever heard that? The Holy Spirit is described as a teacher. Now, how in the world could the Holy Spirit? be a teacher. Does anybody have any idea? How can that happen? Anybody know? Yes, in the back. Okay, so it gives us an understanding of what's right and wrong in, in the moment or, or things like that. Yeah, how else can he teach us? Helps us understand the Bible. That's also an important role that, that the Holy Spirit plays. You know, the Holy Spirit, it says in John 14, 26, uh, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. So it's interesting in, in, as we look at, at Scripture that God actually talks about the Holy Spirit. He calls him a teacher and a counselor. He doesn't refer to him as some mystical thing. But he actually gives physical qualities to the Holy Spirit. Things that actually can be understood as our counselor. What does the counselor do for you? Anybody have any idea? You'll know eventually when you get to college. Sometimes those counselors try to help you out. What do counselors do? Anybody? 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 Eighth grade? Someone help me out. What does a counselor do? Helps you with your problems. Yes. A counselor gives guidance. You have guidance counselors. Yes. Look out for you. Yeah, they say, you know what? You might not want to go there. You might not want to do that. And the counselor, this counselor that is God, the Holy Spirit is God, can show you and counsel you and give you advice, just like they said earlier, as you pray and as you seek God's face, the Holy Spirit is your counselor and your teacher. But this is how it ties in with abide in 1 John. When you abide in Christ, the Spirit comes alive inside of you. The Spirit is given to you to show you, to guide you as you read the Word and as you pray. If you had a counselor, okay, say I assigned a counselor to each and every one of you, but you were responsible to get with that counselor and sit down with them and meet with them and, and kind of get the idea of what's going on. If you never met with that counselor, do you think you would receive good counsel? How are you going to receive good counsel? How are you going to receive that instruction, that guidance, if you never met with the counselor? Is it just happen you you just imagine what they might say you just 
sit there and say, well, I think, and let's all picture Jenna as a counselor. Not that she's ever counseled any of you eighth grade girls, but let's just say she has. You know, you, you sit there and, and you have an issue, but instead of texting her, instead of calling her, instead of that, you're just like, hmm, let me talk to Jenna. And so you actually get a picture out. And you get this picture and you're like, so Jenna, what would you do in this situation? Because I'm having a real tough time right now. Could you please tell me what you would do? I know you always give me good advice. Would that, would that work? I don't think so. Now, it would work for some of you just because you're crazy and, and you like to talk to inanimate objects and stuff. But for most people, that doesn't work. You need a counselor. You need that Spirit of God to show you. And the only way to hear the Spirit of God, this person of the Trinity, is by being in His presence. Is by spending time abiding in the Word, by praying and seeking God's face. So the Holy Spirit is a person. 1 John 4, 1 and 2, I think we have that up there. Beloved, <clears throat> do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So it's important for us to understand that Spirits can take on different roles, and there are confusing spirits that can come your way that try to deceive you. But only that what comes from the God is actually what leads you to Jesus and leads you to the gospel lived out in your life. And so not only is the Holy Spirit a person, but the Holy Spirit also is God. The Holy Spirit is God himself. So this is where, where, we, where we get into trouble sometimes. Because a lot of us, we see God like, if there was a scale, like a, a, a graph, God would be on, on the ceiling, like at the top, right? At the peak of the ceiling. Then we got Jesus somewhere, like maybe where the lights are, right? There's Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit, we don't even know where the Holy Spirit fits in. The Holy Spirit's just floating around. And he's flying like a ghost. And we, we kind of picture like, I really don't know what the Spirit's supposed to do. He's in that Trinity thing that I heard about. But I, I, I don't know what He is, who He is, and why in the world the Bible even includes the Holy Spirit. What I want you to picture now is the Holy Spirit is here, God is here, and Jesus is here. All three of them are the same. All three of them have equal standing. They have different roles that they play. Jesus Christ, when he left this earth, when he rose again, we just celebrated the resurrection recently, when he rose again, he said, I'm going to send you a counselor, I'm going to send you a comforter, I'm going to send you a teacher, and that teacher, counselor, comforter is the Holy Spirit. And it is the voice of God speaking to us as Christians. But it is no less than God. The Holy Spirit is God. And it's important for us to understand that. I know sometimes it, it seems confusing and the Trinity thing sometimes seems out there. But the Scriptures are very clear when they talk about the Holy Spirit being God. So when you add this truth of not just the Holy Spirit is a person, but the Holy Spirit of God is God, 
it's it's important for us to realize that the Holy Spirit shares God's nature. The Holy Spirit was not created by God. The Holy Spirit was there in creation. If you look at John 1, it talks about in a plural form that the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus were there when creation happened. So the Holy Spirit has always been there. And so you think about this, it's kind of interesting. The most glorious of all truths, this is something Piper said as well, that we will discover is that when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, He comes not merely as the Spirit of the Son, nor merely as the Spirit of the Father, but as the Spirit of infinite love between the Father and the Son, so that we may love the Father with the very love of the Son, and love the Son with the very love of the Father. Now I want you to get that, and I'll explain it a little bit for you. So here's, here's the deal. Everybody focus real quick. You boys in the back, look up here. Focus. I know it's distracting. It's tough to listen for this long, but listen. The Holy Spirit is given to you so that you can be indwelt by God Himself and to have a love that you can't normally have on your own. Anybody ever have a tough time loving your mom and dad all the time? Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just going to tell your mom and dad. Uh, <clears throat> anybody have a tough time loving your brothers and sisters? Anybody have a tough time loving your friends? Loving your teachers? How about loving your enemies? <clears throat> yeah. There's a whole lot of struggle when it comes to love. Yet, the first and greatest commandment is that you should love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And... And you should love your neighbor as yourself. Guess what? That is impossible for you. That isn't even impossible for Andrew Steuben, which is, you know, one godly dude out there. <clears throat> it's even impossible for Andrew. It's impossible for me. It's impossible for Pastor Gary. But the cool thing about it is that God has sent us the Holy Spirit to fill us with love. Not just love for the Son and love for the Heavenly Father, but in turn, love, supernatural love for other people. But it only happens when you abide in Christ. It only happens when the Holy Spirit indwells you and that you actually say, Holy Spirit, just like in the songs that we sing, Holy Spirit, please come, guide me. Direct me. Show me my path. Show me the way that I should go. Show me the things that I should think, the things that I should say. There's a request that goes on for you. Some of you need direction, right? You fifth grade guys over here, some of you need direction right now because you're messing with each other. And my direction would be stop before I slap you. No, I won't slap you. But some of you need direction. Here's the direction I'm giving you from the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God Himself. You need to pray and seek the Holy Spirit and ask God, say, God, fill me with your Spirit. Show me what I need to do. Get rid of the things like David said, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. And so as we think about the Holy Spirit as something that fills us with love. And the last thing is there's a spirit of the world that's mentioned. Let's look at uh, 1 John 4, 3 through 6. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, 
which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Then he says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So he gets into a transition from the Holy Spirit given to us by God who is a person and who is God himself into the spirit of the world. What in the world does that mean? The spirit of the world? What is that? I, I, when I looked at that, I was like, okay, what does that mean, the spirit of the world? Does anybody have any ideas? What does the spirit of the world mean? It's important for us to get it. So if you don't know, try to make something up. No, don't make something up. Anybody have any ideas? The spirit of the world? All right, let's 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 look and see. All right, we got one. Yes, sir. The sins of the world? Yeah, that's that's part of it, yes. Here's the first point. The spirit of the world is very real. Look at Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. I think we have it up here. The spirit of the world is very real. Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. The spirit of the world is real. Look at these verses. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over present darkness, spiritual forces of evil. Just like the Holy Spirit is a person and is God, you have the Holy, the, another spirit, the spirit of the world that attacks you. The spirit of the world that goes at you and challenges you and tempts you. And so it's important for us to get that. Hold on one second. I think it's uh, this right speaker. See, it's the spirit of the world. That's what it is. So it's very real. The spirit of the world is also not from God. If you ever have a desire to do something and you're not quite sure, listen up, if you're not quite sure if that spirit or that desire is from God, then you pray and you talk to God and you see, does this line up with the gospel? Now, as I was thinking about this lesson, listen up, boys. As I was thinking about this lesson, I thought about my days in middle school in fifth grade, okay? I thought about those days. I know it was a long time ago, right? It was a ways back. But I thought about middle school, and I thought, you know, there were some things that I did that were kind of borderline, like good and bad. Like, I wouldn't call them evil, but I wouldn't necessarily call them great. It's kind of like in between, and... I really didn't know, okay, in essence, should I be doing this or should I not? And it was kind of like this gray area. We like to make the gray area really big, right? Because the Bible doesn't say it, right? So it can't be wrong, but the reality is this. The Bible is very clear in things, and if we seek the Spirit's guidance, then we'll know. And so these things that I would do, certain things that 
I would do as a middle school student didn't really produce much in me that was godly and Christ-like. It didn't produce in me anything that led me to God and His Word and sharing my faith and being a young man of God. And so as I should have weighed these things according to the gospel, then I should have realized, you know what? These things are probably useless and worthless. And so the spirit of the world is not from God. It actually leads us away from God and leads us down a path of selfishness. You guys get that? How many of you, listen up, Ben. How many of you are selfish in this room? Often. I'll have to raise my hand too. The spirit of the world leads us to focus on me. Not me like all of you focus on me, Tim. But you. The spirit of the world leads you not about the gospel and about Jesus Christ and living as Jesus lived and letting the Holy Spirit guide you. The spirit of the world makes you focus on you. A great test on whether you're, not, you're being influenced by the spirit of the world is what you focus on. If life is all about you, you are being influenced by the spirit of the world. Right, Davey? You understand what I'm saying? Because if it's all about you, you're being influenced by the spirit of the world. And you're not able to discern the Holy Spirit and his guidance. And then the last thing before we go to our groups is the spirit of the world is defeated. 1 John 4, 4, listen to this. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit, the person of God himself, alive inside of you. And you know what? That defeats Satan. That defeats selfishness. That defeats anything that is involved in the spirit of the world. And so as we go through our discussion groups and talk about this a little bit, I want you to really think, what does this mean that the Holy Spirit is in me? What does it mean that he is God? What does it mean that I have overcome the world now because he's defeated? So let's, uh, let's pray together and we'll head out. Dear God, we thank you so much for your spirit. Lord, I pray that you'll help us as uh, fifth or eighth graders and leaders to understand what it means to be guided by your spirit, to be counseled, comforted, taught by the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, we praise you and thank you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll lead us in these discussion times. In your name we pray. Amen.